The Lifestylist, episode 54, featuring Taro Isokalpila. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. Here we go, folks. Another episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. I am, of course, your host, Luke Story, and I'd like to remind you to keep your hands and feet inside the vehicle on this journey with our guest, Taro Isakaupila. Say that five times fast and win a prize. Taro's a good buddy of mine. He's from the company Four Sigmatic. You hear me talk about that a lot because I love them. I love him. He's a very smart guy. Grew up in Finland. Is a master herbalist and also just quite the outdoorsman and the nature enthusiast. So we're going to talk about how to live a natural natural life. And we're also going to talk about some herbs that can really affect your health in a very positive way, including your sex life. So pretty cool stuff. Here is a rundown of some of the things that we cover in this here episode. This is one of those chats uh, like I did with Daniel Vitalis last week. It's like two homies sitting down talking. You guys get to be a fly on the wall. I trust that you will find it interesting, entertaining, and informative. So here we go. We talk about the importance of nature escapes and spending time alone for extended periods of time, the dangers of smart meters and EMFs, becoming habituated to living in a city and how that can suck for your health and your level of stress, the benefits of living in different countries. Taro's actually lived in 10 different countries, and he's not that old of a guy, so he's moved around a lot. The awesomeness of ice baths and polar plunges, of course, being from Finland, Taro's got a lot of experience with that. And then we talk about Finland a lot and some of the coolest things about growing up there and also visiting Icelandic hot springs on another travel jaunt and how to mix smart drugs and medicinal mushrooms to create cool stacks there. The little known fact that drinking beer boosts your estrogen levels and can make men grow boobs. (laughs) We talk about how that works. You might want to avoid certain types of beer. The benefits of reishi mushrooms and why mushroom spores are the strongest part of the fruiting body. The grounding effects of some herbs like maca and dong kwai. Can you become addicted to supplements and vitamins? That's a question we ask and answer. How to safely stack different herbs and supplements and create positive habits around compliance to make sure you take the stuff. How to learn how to mix different herbs together to work synergistically. As I said, Taro's an expert, so he talks about some great things that work together. And why women tend to love chocolate so much, because after all, chocolate is an herb. What herbs increase your sexual performance? What? I told you, we're going to give you the uncut truth here. The power of African Yohimbi bark, Makuna, horny goat weed, Tongkat ally, ally? What's it called? Tongkat ally? Shit, I can't remember. You're going to hear it in the episode. I can never pronounce it. And of course, pine pollen, my personal favorite sex tonic. And how to use kundalini yoga to control your sexual energy and plan your climax. Guys, you want to pay attention to that. Women, maybe don't have to worry about that so much. The importance of men limiting the number of ejaculations during their lifetime. Why healthy fats are so important to your hormonal and sexual health. The pros and cons of eating meat. How to include organ meats in your diet without puking. Very important information there. The importance of listening to your body's innate wisdom about what to eat and creating your own diet that's just for you. Eating seasonally and choosing the best herbs for detoxing your body. And then how modern burial practices poison the planet. 
finally, mushrooms that can eat plastic and clean up toxins, and the benefits of fasting. As you can see, we cover a lot of information in this show, and uh, it's a really fun trip, so I look forward to sharing it with you. Don't forget to tune in next week with Travis Brewer, the fitness ninja. I'd also like to remind you to get over to lukestory.com and sign up for my newsletter. You'll find it right on the homepage in a box that says join the tribe. And when you join the tribe, what happens is each week I send you all of the detailed show notes and clickable links from every single episode, as well as any new video content or cool stuff that I'm putting out. It's not a spammy situation. I really send you the cool shit. And if you want to get the show notes on the site, you can always just click on the Lifestylist podcast and in there you'll find an index of every single show I've ever done along with all of the links and all the resources mentioned. It's pretty cool. Another way we can connect, of course, is over at Instagram. I'd like to encourage you to get over to at Luke Story and come check out some of the Instagram live recordings that I'm doing of podcast in session, live behind the scenes, and then also tons of funny Instagram stories and just all kinds of crazy hijinks. I've been connecting with a lot of the listeners on Instagram lately. So I've been having a really good time with that. And I look forward to seeing you over there. A huge part of my health strategy is taking medicinal herbs and medicinal mushrooms. And one of my favorite ways to take them is by making herbal elixirs. That's really tasty, hot and cold drinks. It's much cooler to take them that way than taking a bunch of pills. Like who can remember to do that? Well, I want to let you know about my friends from Four Sigmatic. These guys make the most potent, high quality and delicious herbal blends that are really easy to take. You can make a cold or hot herbal elixir drink. Like what I like to do is either add them to my bulletproof coffee, or if I don't want to have caffeine, I'll just make myself a Four Sigmatic herbal elixir with something like cordyceps, lion's mane, um, chaga mushrooms, reishi mushrooms, ashwagandha, all the good stuff, all the stuff that you can really feel working is available at Four Sigmatic. So what I'd like you to do is go to foursigmatic.com and check it out. They have an amazing suite of products. And like anything that I promote, this is stuff that I use every day myself. I love this stuff. I'm super addicted to it, which is why I want to tell you about it. So go to foursigmatic.com. But even better, when you're there, enter the code THELIFESTYLIST at checkout and save 15% off your order, which is pretty sweet. So enter the Lifestylist and save 15% at foursigmatic.com. I want to take a minute to remind you to check out Clear Light Saunas. If you go to HealWithHeat.com, enter the code Luke, you're going to save 450 bucks, get free shipping and a free backrest if you just mention my name, like Hollywood style, just drop my name. Say, yo, I know Luke. I know the guy at the door. He does a little something, something. You know what I mean? Or you can just call them at 800-317-5070. That's healwithheat.com. Use the code Luke. Now, why do I like Clear Light Saunas? Why am I so sprung on this particular company? I'll tell you why. They're low EMF, no chemically treated wood, no paint, no varnish, no glue, no off-gassing. They all come with chromotherapy lighting. They come with a Bluetooth sound system and ceiling speakers. They don't use any manufactured wood, even the places where you don't see the wood. So there's no plywood, veneers, particle board, no funky, weird stuff. They also have a solid wood floor, which is really cool. And there's heaters underneath. So you're getting that infrared heat from underneath your feet on all sides of your legs, all sides of your body. You're surrounded by this amazing healing infrared light. A lot of other saunas have slatted floors. And so like insects, dust and sweat and crap drops through there and it's just nasty. So I like the solid wood floor. Another awesome thing about Clearlight is they have a 100% lifetime warranty for the entire sauna 
and all its components for the life of the original owner. So if you buy one of these units, which start at $24.95, and then you're going to get a big discount if you know me, it's covered for as long as you're alive. Now, if you hand it down to your kids, I don't know, you're on your own. <laughs> but as long as you're alive, if you bought the sauna, you're covered. And a lot of these sauna companies, I'm telling you, you got to watch out for. Not only do they have really high EMFs, which means really bad electricity that's firing at you, um, but they also have a really bad lifetime. I'm using air quotes, warranty. And if you read the fine print, it will say the lifetime is defined as seven years or something funky like that. So these guys don't play games. They're a really great company. They're family owned. They're super easy to deal with, super friendly. And again, all you have to do is call them at 800-317-5070 or go to healwithheat.com and use the code Luke and you're going to get straight hooked up. They've got indoor and outdoor units. They're my favorite thing in the world. So you are welcome. Enjoy that. And remember, if you want to learn even more about infrared saunas, you can take a time trip back to episode 24 and you can hear an entire show about just that. Taro Isocalpula is the founder of Four Sigmatic and is on a mission to make medicinal mushrooms more accessible to everyone. Taro founded Four Sigmatic in 2012, and its products are now sold in over 25 countries. In 2015, the company launched in the U.S. and relocated its headquarters to Los Angeles, California. Four Sigmatic's functional mushroom coffees, hot cocos, and elixirs are sold at retailers nationwide, including Whole Foods and other natural grocers, as well as online at foursigmatic.com and through online health websites like Thrive Market. Taro and Four Sigmatic have been featured in prominent media outlets, including Vogue, Time, Forbes, W Magazine, Harper's Bazaar, Goop, Well and Groomed, Mind Body Green, and many others. Welcome back to the Lifestylist Podcast, Taro. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me again. We're here in person again, which is great because I don't like doing interviews via Skype whenever possible. It's one of the things that keeps me living in L.A., is having access to so many great thought leaders and influencers like yourself. I think about moving out to the country and then I would have to Skype everyone because everyone, if they don't live in LA, they at least travel there. So it's cool to be able to sit down and do these in person. Absolutely. That's the same reason why I'm with the ocean. It's probably the people that it's brought to me to LA. But you know, have you thought about living part of the year elsewhere though? Have you thought I've, of you like splitting your time? Dude, I have thought about it a lot recently because essentially I have kind of a remote business with my mm. fashion school and it only happens periodically throughout the year. And then we have online classes. And then with the lifestylist thing in the podcast, I don't technically have to live anywhere. It's the first mm. time in 20 years that I've had the freedom to kind of work from a computer some of the time. So I have ideas. One of them is Ojai, which is mm. like... Close. You know, not that far away. Plus, they got the springs. And yeah. <laughs> there's The kind of water that I like to be around is there, and it's yep. close enough to the ocean. But then the other one is there's a town in Colorado that I go to every summer called Pagosa Springs, yeah. which is a really kind of undiscovered. Was it the place where you shared some photos on, yeah. on Instagram with those beautiful springs? Totally. Yeah. And there's also a drinking, you know, a clear cold spring that you can go collect water from, which I have to be by a spring too. Mm. That's just my living requirements. And uh, it's fantastic there. And it's crazy cheap. I don't know why. It's just, there's no ski resort in that town. So comparatively to some of the other surrounding areas like Breckenridge or Vail or Aspen or whatever, I mean, the real estate is, is very affordable. The thing is though, here's the thing, dude. 
the town is on the most hardcore smart meter grid that I've ever been in. So the minute I land in that town, I basically can't sleep the whole time. Because, oh, wow. yeah, like we have smart meters in LA, but we're not on a grid, meaning they still have to come out and read the meter mm. so they don't transmit as powerful as a, sig- a signal yep. because there's not like um, central hubs that those things transmit to. And if you're, if you're listening, you don't know what I'm talking about. It's, it has to do with radiation. We're getting mm. radiated by these certain types of meters on the side of your house. And in that town, every time I go there, I literally can't sleep because every building around you is blasting you. So I'd have to like build a house that's a Faraday cage basically in order to be able to live there or I'd have to live way out in the woods. But that's another beautiful place that I like to visit. Probably then it's not meant to be. But what if, what if it's just like testing you? I'm I'm throwing a little judo move here because like the planet itself is radiating, right? A little bit. That's how evolution is partly able to happen in planet Earth is that there's radiation that help mutation, right? So we, every kind of gradually, we evolve into better beings. So maybe this is just testing you for, I'm just throwing it out there. Dude, it might. might. I'm probably wrong, but maybe after a while, you become a stronger Luke and then you can sleep there and then you can sleep anywhere. I would like to think that that's possible. (laughs) And I don't, I actually don't want to be paranoid and wear tinfoil hats. I really just want to be a normal guy. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, I think that some people are more susceptible physiologically to EMFs and to radiation and For things sure. like that, that. I've seen that in real life. It's just many like times. when I fly with friends, like if you and I both get on a plane to Finland right now, which by the way is where he's from, we could get off the plane. You'll be like, cool, let's go out to dinner. Like, let's hang out. I'm, and you, you'll feel totally you normal. Fried. Oh, yeah, for three days, I'll feel like Shit. I just got hit by a truck, yeah. you know? Yeah. No, I've seen that with a lot of people. So, um, like I said, the first comment was that if the place in Colorado is not meant to be, it's not meant to be. Don't force it. I think it's, if you have the luxury to go anywhere, there's over 200 countries in the world. So I feel like sometimes people say like, oh, Tara, you've traveled so much. I'm like, yeah, I've like seen less than half of the world's countries. And I've seen probably like a quarter of each country, if probably not even that. So like, it's such a big place. How and many it, countries have you lived in? Uh, 10. Oh my God. See, here's the other thing, dude, is that, by the way, listeners, Tara and I are buddies. You're probably getting that. So this is not so much an interview as a conversation that I hope you guys will find interesting. I trust we'll cover some topics. I like podcasts that are conversations over. Well, I do too. You know, it's not like a presentation. No, you you know, it's funny, dude. I actually get bummed out when I do quote unquote interviews with experts and stuff on the show and I can't break them out of like their being interviewed mode. And I'm like, no, no, no. I want to get to the real person. I want to actually have a heart to heart, soul to soul talk with you can we just forget the script and you know have that and some people just aren't used to doing that especially if they're being recorded so um yeah but anyway i want to ask you so you've lived in all these different countries you are you sure you're not a finished gypsy (laughs) first time you don't you're you have light hair and blue eyes so you don't fit like the gypsy profile at least um, in terms of the way you look but i've realized in myself that as much as I think I'm adaptable and I love change and stuff, I really don't like major changes such as moving out of LA. I mean, like now I realize I actually, it's like when, you know, in India, the, the famous thing where they chain up a baby elephant, right? Mm. And he's chained to um, a big post. And then when he grows up, he's just chained to like a little stick and he could easily just pull the stick out of the ground and run away, but he, he doesn't. doesn't. Yeah. That's me in, in the city. It's like, I actually don't have to be there anymore. 
but I guess on the first, I still have the mentality that like all my friends are there and the yoga I like and the hot springs and you know my lifestyle, the Erwan, the health food store. Like I've built this life around Hollywood for twenty seven years now. Yeah, it's actually hard for me to imagine being in a small town where. I don't know anyone, and I have to adapt to whatever services and, and culture is available there. So two interesting points there. One is, so I lived in New York City for a while, and people say that if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere, or if you can live there, you can live anywhere. I always think of like born and raised New Yorkers, like they definitely couldn't live in a lot of these towns. Like <laughs> you send them to not even like Finland or or somewhere there, but like you send them to like rural parts of the US and they will be like, they would be mentally, emotionally at least, probably physically as well, pretty able, unable to do that. So that's the one point. It's funny is, and then the second part is that we, what we kind of touched on in the um, first interview is like living off the land is tough work. Like you did it with your dad and it's not always fun. And there's a limited amount of willpower that we have, a limited ability of uncomfort that we have and you have to kind of choose your battles so which are the areas of life where you want to be experimental and which are the areas of life where you want to have rituals because i think you can like always be mixing people have different thresholds to it like some people can switch a lot same with diet some people want like a good strong base and then they add one thing at a time and then some people are like yeah let's just <laughs> throw everything at the same time guilty as charged yeah totally but anyway so in finland what we do is about two months of the year, roughly, we move to the countryside. So we go dwelling in, in our summer cottages and they might not have electricity. Some people do it up to four months. Some people only do it for a month, but almost every Finnish family would have a summer cottage and they're really basic rule. And that's like the heart home. That's where people get recharged and they're fully off from work for like a solid, you know, one, two months. And they go into a place of like real countryside usually. So I don't know, maybe it's an option that you live in LA, but then one month of the year you go somewhere like fully take off and you're yeah. in a, you're in an yeah. area with no luxury of at all. And you do that for a month and you chop wood, carry water, drink tea, just be quiet and then and then come back, you know, that's another I like that. I think that's probably like a, an easier access point and not as drastic of a change. And I, I do that in a micro way now because I go to Ohio a lot and I go camping mm. and I'll just camp Friday, Saturday night and then uh, and Sunday night but and come I, back Monday. I'll challenge you on that. I feel like it takes yeah. more than a few days or in a week to fully like get off from the paradigm of oh, the matrix. totally, dude. Like after... <laughs> You're, I mean, I'm not saying that that is a solution. <laughs> it's a temporary stopgap and an entryway into yeah, the, into that, the lifestyle choice. It's better than nothing. It's for sure better than nothing. But I feel yeah. like... There's something drastic that happens after uh, about two weeks of idle time or two weeks in nature or something like. At one point, you totally forget, like, like the old, the more modern life. Anyway, you know what? Another thing, though, on that note, yeah, is that uh, you know it's interesting. You're a great guy to ask because you lived in all these other countries. It's like I'm a Californian. Mm. You know, it's like, this is my home. This is my culture. Even though I wasn't born here, I was born in Denver, but essentially most of my life I've lived in California. And then, as I said, 27 years here, right? So um, I visited my dad last year in Florida. He's got his winter spot now, like mm. snowbird situation in Florida on a place called Marco Island, which is beautiful. He lives right on the beach. It's fantastic. But I hung out with my dad for a few days there. We're good buddies and we cruise around and do stuff together and see his cronies and we go eat and do whatever guys do together um you know take little fishing trips and stuff like that and all the people there are from boston you mm -hmm. know and yeah, snowbirds, yeah. yeah and when i get around those guys i'm like 
I don't relate to them. We're like from a different planet. They don't know the same music. They don't know the same art. They don't eat the same food. We're so different culturally that yep. I don't, it's not really fun for me to hang around That's them. why so many people go to like Bali or somewhere. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so everybody's like, in Ubud. But that gets, I guess bo- that's it. that gets boring real quick so, as But well. for me, it's like, it's super important to be around people that are part of my tribe. Not that I'm against people that aren't. We're just, it's not better than or worse than at all. Uh, you know, it's not a judgmental thing. It's just like, when I talk to you, we're in the same tribe. So I'm like, hey, have you tried this or tried that? You're like, oh yeah, I, I do that. You know, of course. Whereas if I'm in Florida in this like retirement community with people from the East Coast, it's like we're from a different planet. They don't understand why I'm walking around barefoot and I couldn't even explain it. But you, <laughs> you have know, so like, many options. Kauai, you could go. Hawaii in general, but Kauai is, is, is awesome. I love the big Iceland, island. That's you could my do, favorite. You could do... Dude, have you been to the hot springs in Iceland? That big... Crazy. Or the Blue Lagoon? Yeah, the Blue yeah, Lagoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, bastard. But I haven't gone, I haven't gone and done a lot of the smaller spots. There's so many spots in Iceland. Let's, let's um, plan a trip there. Yeah, and it's actually cool. If somebody's listening and you want to go to Europe, it's like the oldest marketing pitch of Icelandic air, but it's actually pretty good, is they offer you a free layover up to, I think, don't quote me on it, but I think five days. So if you fly from New York especially, or Toronto or somewhere on the East Coast, if you want to fly to Europe, they connect you in, in Reykjavik, and then you can fly from Reykjavik to anywhere in Europe for the same price. Actually, actually Icelandic Air is sometimes the cheapest option, and you can have a free layover for a few days in, in Reykjavik. And once you're in Iceland, it's like small, so like everything is like accessible from there. So like three, four, five days is actually a good good amount there. I've always wanted to go there. That's like my hot springs point. So next summer, like you're going to visit... On, when you see that on Instagram. So I, are you going to... On Vax here, on the promise to come next summer to Finland, visit your old rock buddies and stop Dude, by in Iceland on the way. Let's do it. If my buddies in Finland are listening, hold me to this. Hit me on Facebook when it comes that time. I heard you got fans in Finland, though, not through them, but like I've heard like few people, like your episode on John Gray and other things, like you've, you're expanding. Awesome, man. You're global. That's, I just got to find a way now to get funded to go to Finland. <laughs> like, I need some fans with deep pockets that are like, hey, come over and do a talk. We'll pay for your ticket. If you listen to the Biohackers Summit, you should invite this Ooh, guy. Yeah. You should invite this guy. Yes. Listen, talk. we're gonna, we'll talk biohacking in a few minutes even just to qualify. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, you know what? I always have wanted to go to Finland. I want to go places, you know, like I said, to me, it always comes back to water. I want to go places where I can get in freezing cold water. Which I'm sure even in Finland in the summer, you can find freezing for, for water. For you, right? as, as living in California, even the summer water, which we think is warm, you're not going to think it's warm. Good, because that's <laughs> what I want. I like it's, it. not, it's not frozen lake cold, but it's not warm. I now, every swim. Finnish person will get mad at me because they're like, yeah, it's so warm in the summer. Like, probably not. <laughs> Perfect swimming water to me is like 40, 45 degrees. Then like an ice bath is 33, 35, 36 degrees. Like, yeah. But swimming... I love cold, cold water. There's just something about it. And then, of course, being able to visit springs and rivers and lakes. And I know Finland has portions of it that are just basically covered in lakes, right? Yeah, there's something like 180,000 lakes. That's enough. I could, that yeah. could keep me busy you, for a while. <laughs> because there's so many, there's ones that there, you'll be the only one there. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. Okay. So, so deal. All right. So I wanted to talk about something. Um, not that this isn't relevant, but we just were downstairs and you made me a drink here and you're like, Hey, do you want a tonic? And then you're like, what do you feel like? I go, well, I already had a modafinil and a coffee today (laughs) because I'm doing a bunch of interviews in one day. I'm just batching a bunch out. And so I said, maybe something kind of calming. And I said, I don't care what it tastes like. And so 
I don't know what you made, but it wasn't like sweet and just pretty. I mean, it tasted very medicinal. What herbal elixir did we just drink right here? Because I'm feeling pretty awesome, but I'm curious what's in there. Yeah, so uh, nothing away from coffee. Coffee is a very, I guess, a masculine energy. It's like straight up, like no looking left or right. And, uh, you know, there's a time and place for that, but there is also a time and place for a different kind of, so I made a little bit more feminine drink. The core here is... It's not going to make me grow moobs, right? No, like, no. Estrogen, this, this is not beer. This is not hops, you know? You yeah. know that beer is super estrogen boosting? Oh, I hops heard that. Is, like, have you heard the story of like the monks got so horny apparently? So somewhere in like Germany and Czech Republic, they were like... The monks before like Martin Luther, they had celibacy, so they couldn't like do anything. But then they had all this testo boosting beer like the monk's secret beers and, and then that got into the trouble. So then the kind of church didn't also couldn't ban them because it was one of their vices. So the, the myth and the lore is that then the church said, you can make beer, but you can only make it from this plant humalus, which is hops, which is super estrogen rich. So if you're as a female touching in the wild, it can even interfere with your periodic cycle in some cases. So anyway, it's like super estrogen boosting. And then here in the U.S., it's like the manliest drink ever, wherein physiologically it well, might not be. If you think about like the classic beer chugging, like football game watching American, though, I always picture like a big beer gut and then some pretty hefty tits, too. Yeah. Like your average you know, like couch potato guy in the yeah. middle of America has probably got a decent rack going. So there might be yeah. something to that. For sure. Anyway, so Rishi is, to me, a more motherly mushroom sounds a little woo-woo, but it calms you down, helps break down stress. And when we build it around this tonic that I made you, I made it around reishi spores. So there's chaga and reishi dual extract, but there's also reishi spores. So reishi spores are kind of the seeds of the mushroom. So Like the jizz of the mushroom? Correct, yeah. Yes. So And often the jizz is actually the most powerful part of any, because it's like where the life force is collected. So beats a sperm or a seed or a nut. Or so like pine pollen. No, Same but, kind of thing. Like pine 100%. pollen is the sperm of a pine tree, right? Correct. Yeah. Right. And, and actually, that's funny enough, we're in Anaheim. Luke came here for the Longevity Now conference. I came here for the Disneyland. Anyway, <laughs> that we've been actually forging here in Anaheim a couple times with our chef, Laurie, here in the trees in Anaheim, here in the parking lot of this Hilton, you can get uh, pine pollen in like March, April. Wow, no you kidding. Can, you can get it here outside. Now, outside if, of the, but yeah, the, so the point is that it's like kind of the seeds or the sperm or the spores are where the life force is collected so a new form of life can start. So that's also one of the reasons why, for example, in the mushroom world, mycelium has a lot of amazing properties for the environment. If you want to concentrate health benefits, the mycelium, which is a large area, large group of the mycelium spread around, will all collect its life force once a year, usually this fruiting body. And the fruiting body is the one, the quote-unquote mushroom that we eat. And then the fruiting body spreads its seeds. So it collects all at the end of its, when its, its life is about to end in the fall, whenever it's about to get like rotten, um, it sets its seeds, spores. And here we have the reishi spores. And the reishi spores are very high in terpenes. So what we talked in our first episode, we'll talk about the difference of like the water-soluble things in mushrooms that help with your immune system, which is what people usually don't care for, the immune system, unless they're sick, but they should, because it affects so many different other body functions. And then the fat-soluble, the more adaptogenic properties, for the lack of a better term, and so the more hormonally balancing parts, the terpenes and the reishi spores are super powerful in that. So I would say, and depending where you get the spores and how they process, it could be like 
multiple X times higher than the fruiting body. So what this will hopefully do is ground you without making a sedative. Because what I see a lot is people use the gas and the brake. So it's coffee in the morning and then kava in the night or, you know, like an energy drink in the morning or like... I call that a poor man's speedball. It's like, yeah. it's like an herbal a speedball. <laughs> totally. And if you're listening, you don't know what that is. That means a mixture of heroin and cocaine, a la yeah. John Belushi. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I do a poor man's speedball all the time. I do stuff in the daytime, like smart drugs and all this stuff. I get totally amped up. And then when it comes time to do my meditation, like at 6 p.m., 6.30, I'm too hyper. So then I'll do like GABA or B12 or Kava or passion flowers. And then I get super tired and then I don't want to get anything else done. So yeah. It's so this is a bit yeah. more balanced. So it's not, Rishi spores are not sedative, but they're grounding. We have chai spices here in general. I mean, you've been to India. So, I mean, the classic stories that how certain illnesses they have less of and one of the theories is that because they take so much spices throughout the year so cinnamon cardamom ginger and then we have coconut milk and then we have don kwai i want to keep it a little feminine but it's it's a, it's a it's good for men as well and then maca and mukuna so hopefully it, yeah bro that's yeah. chronic. This is like a twenty-five dollar drink, right? Yeah, here. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, Erwan. This would probably be like a. I put so much in there as well for you. You're one of those guys who like the only way to go far is to go too far. I'm hardcore. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. And I don't advise that. I mean, I always, you know, I'm just, dude. What can I say? I admit it. I'm a former drug addict. I did a talk the other night before the Bulletproof Conference at the Bulletproof Coffee Shop, and I got a kind of zinger question from a woman in the audience who was. I think trying to be cheeky and kind of throw me off my game. But we were talking about all these different herbs and health practices and she was waving her hand, waving her hand and they called on her and she's like, so, I mean, so you used to be like a drug addict, right? And now you do all this health stuff. I mean, isn't that just another addiction and another obsession? And I was like, yeah, and... <laughs> You know, obviously. So I don't advise people do things the way I do it. I just am like the human guinea pig. What I do is I take like too much of everything all at once. And then as I feel weird or I feel side effects, then I just, I do elimination and then I kind of narrow it down to what's the sweet spot. But what I think a smart person would and should do when it comes to, you know, working with herbs and, you know, natural medicine and stuff is you incrementally start adding one little thing at a time and you really track the results. So you can really see what's working and what's not and what your body is responding to. I'm too impatient. That's why I'm like, make me the strongest drink and make it 10 times as strong as anyone else would have. Cause I just want to feel that impact. And then I'll like, and then I'll slowly pump the brakes back from there. But I think it's like, I don't know. I, I feel like the number one thing is compliance. So you just got to, no matter how smart you are with your strategy, if you don't, you know, do it, it doesn't help you. So, and then what, how do you get compliance? I think it's, you need to have the F-U-N, you know, have the fun. And, and different people, it's a different thing. If you, it's like throw everything into the wall and see what sticks. That's your way of having fun. That's cool because then you have compliance. That's right. And At least would, I'm doing it, right? If yeah, you yeah. would approach it like an engineer with a spreadsheet, you'd be like bored your ass out and then you would not do it. Totally. So whatever makes you do it, I think that's the starting point. Then you can go to a strategy and yeah, probably it's smarter to do one or two things at a time or have kind of a thin red line. Like what do you want to try to achieve with the tonic? That's why I ask you, like what do you want to feel? Because certain things that are good for you, if you take them together, they're not good for you. And then you have a $25 tonic that you pee out and you don't really get anything. And then there's certain things that like are synergistic and they actually help each other. So you can get more right, bang like, for your buck. You know what's a really good mixture is macuna and cacao. 
Oh, for sure. Those, yeah, I, oh, there's a little bit of cacao here as yeah, and tocos. It's interesting how some some of these adaptogenic herbs really complement each other. Because it, it's, it's not only like the way they make you feel, but you can taste it. Yeah, it's just like a profile match. You go ah, the DNA like just lock in. Those plants are sort of married on some level, and and your body responds. To and that. that's funny because like you think mukuna purians coming from India and cacao originally from Ecuador. Like, how would those have that connection? But at the same time, if you like science it out with the high amounts of L-dopa and mukuna and then all these amazing neurotransmitters in cacao, like PEA, like the love hormone or the anandamin and the bliss, like the ma inhibitors that are in raw cacao. So it like, definitely makes sense. They're, they're both for sure brain food. Why are women so obsessed with chocolate? So there's a couple of reasons, and these are just guesses. One is that it's super high in magnesium. And so during your periodic cycle, women are like deficient in magnesium and it's generally calming and women for different reasons often can get a little antsy and stressed a little bit easier than guys. Like they're like super stressed. So that's one thing, but definitely for the periodic cycle that us guys don't have to go through, you know? So that's one reason. The other one is the neurotransmitters that I'm, I mentioned few. I mentioned the PEA, which is like, the same kind of neurotransmitter that gets activated when we fall in love and you know that feel good vibe and i think women in general are all healthier and more in tune with themselves so they're more sensitive to things like this and they feel that loving energy of cacao so i think that's probably one reason um, if you want to be a beast in bed and you want to be super horny and sexual what are some good herbs to take for men or women. Oh, yeah. That's a favorite topic. So, like, af- like legit aphrodisiacs, not shit at 7 Eleven. You know, you see those little pills like, oh, yeah. the horny pill. It's like, no, you know, that's not going to work. But I know of one. I'm not going to say it. I'm going to see if you mentioned okay, it. Okay, so ask you about I'll. It. I'll Just sexual health. I'm being oh, cheeky, oh, so but, you know, I'm, I'm, like. I'm giving you first, like. Fertility, two, performance, yeah. horniness, just dude, having a dude, great I, sex life. I know what you want. <laughs> but before I, tell, uh, before I tell you what you want to hear, I'm going to tell you what people should think about. So healthy body is a sexual body. So all of these things that you hear in this pod, you got to find a balanced life is what you need for a good sex drive. For example, you can eat these sex herbs that I'm going to next mention, but if you're super stressed out, you know, like it's such a taboo, but people who have like sex for the first time can't get it up, even though they're like a 14, 15 year old stud who's like horny all the time, except the one time they're supposed to be horny. And because they're so stressed out, they're so scared that they lock, you know? I experienced or, that when I was a teenager. I don't think, no, definitely not the first time, but at times I would get caught up in my head yeah. and get so freaked out and scared because I didn't know what to do that I couldn't perform. Yeah. But like you said, it wasn't that I didn't have the sex drive. No, and It's then, just like I would get up and caught in my head and I would yeah. lose touch with my body. So, yeah, so a healthy, balanced body is very sexual. So sleep and like just being comfortable with yourself. But okay, I'm now I'm going to give you what you want. So let's start with let's start with guys because we're guys here. So what we want. So I'll start with the hardcore and then go a little bit, you know, downwards. Yohimbe, probably the most insane thing, easily overdosable. Have had that. So you get like heart palpitations, but does it make I mean is it I've, I, I've, I've had never the best take, orgasm of my life probably with it though. Because I've never taken it because I feel like it's going to be like coffee on crack and it's going to be too stimulating to my nervous system and make me feel like anxiety. And that's a feeling no, I, I don't I, I don't get don't anxiety. It's just like with, my resting heart rate just doesn't come down. Oh, okay. I'm gonna, but it's legit, huh? Oh, that orgasm you get with it, it's insane. And it's, it makes you so hard and constantly like, <laughs> really? it's, yeah, it's the African 
It's the number one African sex herb. I'll be right back. I'm I, on my way to Whole Foods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you just carry on a solo interview? I'll so, be back in a few minutes. Yohimbe Bark, um, we bought it for a while for our company. Then we realized that it's like, even though we give people disclaimers, nobody ever listens to them. So then we decided not to sell them. But we got our, our stuff from Cameroon. And, so anyway, um, so that's the bomb. And then next up my list. What about for women? Same thing? Like blood flow to the oh, so privates all, and so all So I'm going to split them a little bit and there's definitely overlap. So I actually like the female sex herb more for my body. Um, and Mukuna works for both. Uh, maca can work for both, even though I think maca is one of the most overrated of all these. People have digestive issues with it and it's not always like, it doesn't give you nearly the same benefits of some of these others. But yeah, mukuna, maca, cacao, you could take. Um, just smells and scents are also super powerful. So uh, smelling pheromones, but also smelling things like vanilla and, and things like that can definitely, you know, uh, seafood, you know, you got, uh, what is it? Oysters. Like, low oysters and things like that. Those are classic. And then adding things like just generally like, like red wine can, but you just like, <laughs> yeah, red, you, yeah, red wine can make a lot of things happen. <laughs> yeah. But get back to the sex, <laughs> In large herb, doses. sex herbs. So Yohimbe at the top, then Murapuama, which is probably the number one, like Amazonian sex herb works really well for me. So it doesn't give me the heart palpitations that I get with Yohimbe. So that's awesome. Horny goat weed. I can do that at times, but it doesn't feel that tonic to me. So sometimes, um, tonic meaning something you can do continually just yeah, as a I mean a regular thing. neither. <laughs> but uh, yeah, horny goat weed or epimedium, it's the, how it's sometimes also called. And then I would say for guys otherwise, Tongat Ali, but I feel like Tongat Ali, the dosage and sourcing kind of sucks in a lot of the products you can find there. John Gray recommends that. I think he sells it on his site. Yeah. But yeah. there are definitely ones you get a good Tongat Ali that's definitely works as well. But what if you took honey goat weed, Yohimbe, and Tom Tomcat Ali? Is that what it's called? Tongat. Tonka Ali. What if you took all three of those at once and just depends on the dosage and right. and how you feel, but probably So if it says like take two capsules in the bottle and you took like six of each of those <laughs> an hour before you had a date, what what would happen? Um yeah, really <laughs> it really depends on you. So, I mean, um, it's a lot about mind game. Once you start to get really horny, it's also like channeling the energy. I mean, you practice Kundalini, so oh, you know how sure. that... Like, so when instead of you having an uplift, you have an eruption, you have like a volcano. So then like, how do you channel it without freaking the other person? Dude, you know what's been crazy is, you know, I think a lot of guys... I mean, a lot of guys struggle with um, impotence and uh, not being able to get it up. No one admits it, but you know a lot of guys do. And also, a lot of couples can't have babies, even though they have sex. The swimmers are not strong enough, or the eggs right, are not right. good enough, and that's also a huge taboo. But another thing that guys I think struggle with is the ability to control their ejaculation oh, sure. and like make a decision when they want to climax and when oh, they don't, sure. whether it's for their own benefit or that of their partner. But I've got to say, if any any guys are listening and you struggle with that, um, I think historically for myself it's been more of an issue right when i first meet someone and we're becoming intimate in the early mm -hmm. stages it's like it's so exciting and new that it's a little difficult then after time goes by then it just becomes normal but i have to say kundalini yoga if you're listening uh gentlemen is you know all about controlling the energy and moving the energy in your body and i didn't start doing kundalini yoga so that i could 
control my sexuality more or my performance, but I have to say more than anything in my life, because I've been doing that for the past five years, it's been just a, a perceivable byproduct of that where I really can, during the act, control where the energy goes in my body. And if it's going somewhere too soon and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not there yet, literally can just use my mind and kind of go and refocus the energy and stay in the game almost indefinitely. And I'm not trying to like brag and sound like a stud or my, something because I'm sure I'm not. But uh, But it's amazing, you're right. So yeah, you can take all these herbs and stuff, but it really is about... Your so, mental control and, sure. and move, being able to control the energy in your body. For sure. And how well you connect. So if, if you really connect well, then you have probably a better sex as well. But um, as a fun, entertaining side story, one of my unnamed friends doesn't have maybe the same kind of a soft approach as you of taking time to practice kundalini yoga. So when he's about to ejaculate too soon, he uh, first thinks about doing an ice bath. So as he's having sex and he knows that, oh, now I'm about to come, he thinks about jumping into a frozen lake. And then immediately he can calm himself out. And That's funny. I think about having sex and with polar my, bears. I think about having sex with my grandmother or like <laughs> eating dog shit. <laughs> that, that's funny. And then the other one no, that but he, like you can you know, yeah, you guys but, know you can do that. You just like focus your mind on something yeah. that's so disgusting that totally is the antithesis of being turned on and like yeah. shut it down. But then you might lose your erection. You don't want yeah. that to happen. You so want to be able a, to control the energy but stay aroused, you know? Totally. Uh, I just want to share his other trick, which is even more hilarious. He think about... Would it be hilarious if you say his full name on the air? <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be hilarious. For but, us, cause, not for him. Because he's, he's in our industry. Anyway, he thinks about somebody sawing his penis. So that's his other trick. So while he's about to come, he's thinking, now suddenly a saw appears and starts sawing his penis. So anyway... That's a less maybe advanced move. I think it's better to think about breathing and energy and really feel it even before it's too late, like like minutes before even close to coming, you control it up and down. So that's yeah, like, it's like a Taoist kind of approach. Oh, for sure. It, you know? yeah. um, and actually, I just saw, I was talking with a doctor and he didn't really fully buy into the, he was like, oh, you should come like every day. And as a young man, I'm like, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure. Do I f fully sign off on the Taoist formulation? Do you know how they count? Like they count like the age minus like. Right. Anyway, so I'm like, I'm not. I don't know what the formula is, but I think it's probably better if you don't come like every day. I you lose your rocket fuel, and I actually went. I think and it's horrible, dude. If I if I ejaculate too often. I'm super tired and super irritable. I actually so I like so, I'm not happy. So yeah, I actually went I actually went and I checked out some research like for example if you don't ejaculate I think it was in 7 days increases your testosterone production right. quite a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah, Dave Asprey talks yeah. about this stuff. He did like a a year-long test where he only ejaculated once a week or didn't for a year whatever it was and then in an insights a Just, bunch of yeah. the studies yeah it's interesting but i don't want to leave women hanging so we mentioned maka mukuna and uh, we mentioned uh, but more female specific don't quiet that i put on your drink angelica sinensis and sometimes referred to as a female ginseng another one that is also referred incorrectly as a female ginseng is cottonopsis i think it'd be great for women that's also a fascinating one and um, I feel so bad for my producer Tati. Tati, I know you're going to be hearing this recording and having to Google everything that Taro's saying and put it in the show notes. I'm very sorry. You listener, you're going to be stoked because you're going to be able to go click on LukeStory.com, look up this episode, whatever number it ends up being, and actually go to you know a site where you can buy this or a Wikipedia page yeah. or something where you can look this stuff up. So 
ladies, get on the case. It, it's important. You can't just you oh, can't I, just I, lie I was, there, man. We was, want you to be engaged all, and yeah. super into it too. So I was about to take five minutes to spell out all these herb names, but what you can do instead is you can go to Luke's website and get it that way. Boom. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So what what's some more uh, things for women's not only sexual health and performance and you know excitability, but what about for the fertility piece, which as you mentioned is a huge issue right now. So I think if one generalize like i mean removing stressors is one thing that we talked about just whatever the main stressors are in life mineral deficiencies iron zinc magnesium just some of the more common ones but the big another big thing is fats so um cholesterol is a friend and for sex in general um this goes from men and women get that cacao butter so cacao butter is when you press the the bean, which is actually a nut, so the cacao bean, and you use press and you get um, oversimplified, you get uh, powder and butter. So using the butter doesn't have some of these like neurotransmitter activating, somewhat more medicinal and cognitively more powerful substances, but it's a great, you can use it on your skin and you can do a, a sexual massage with it and whatnot, but also just adding things like cacao butter and coconut oil to your diet. So Again, some people process fats better and some people maybe carbs a little bit better. But in general, if for hormonal things, we need cholesterol. And uh, so saturated fats, probably another thing is depending if... When we say saturated fats, we're talking about ghee, animal fat, lard from, you know, healthy pasture-raised animals. We're not talking about like deep fried canola oil. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, look, and it's it's even with the whole pasteurized like i think that's you know partly a scam it's still a processed animal breed of a of a cow that is like enabled to walk and you know and it's mostly where by the way eating females we're not really eating male animals it's really rare too that we you know chicken and and beef and pork a lot of them are females and and fats, i fats, never thought about that like when you're eating yeah when you're if you eating believe ghee, in the energy that's a female um, yeah if you believe in product the, if you believe in the energy and life force you should really think about the gender of the animal products you also consume a little bit um dude just, i never thought about that so we should be eating bull elk and buck and deer. balance yeah i mean balance so yeah. um I guess like wild are, boar. Are, wild boar is like probably the most available for those people who are actually, oysters like hermaphrodites, or is there male and female? Oysters? I actually don't know. That's a very good question because I would assume that are they, they, they don't have a gender. Yeah, right. I they're but kind I of like a little. Know. They're like a little amoeba. I wonder I, how they reproduce. That's a good one. I, I'll have yeah. to. Google. Do you guys have bomb ass seafood? Clean seafood in Finland? Yeah, we're pretty good. Yeah, I guess the, the oceans there. Yeah, the salmon. Uh, but not on a commercial scale as much as like, let's say Norway. And we have a little like freshwater fishes, like small ones that you would eat the whole thing with the bones and eyes and the whole shebang. And those are pretty badass. And we'll, next summer we'll go fishing. I would love that. Uh, I'll just take it out of the water and eat it raw, right? The whole head and everything. Yeah, there's some, there's some good ones, yeah. But um, back to the topic is animal flesh is might not be your biggest priority sometimes. Like I feel like there's such a debate between plant-based and and animal products and then it's often polarized and when you start to incorporate animal products let's say you've been vegetarian like you were vegetarian for a long time or or yeah. you've been vegan is like yeah. think about the animal flesh and protein might not be your number one things you need it might be actually the cholesterol so you don't necessarily need eat meat um or that's not the first thing you probably need maybe add ghee because yeah. like uh, yeah. so like we know but you know or apparently about five thousand years you know, Indians have lived in 
And in certain ways, they're healthy. In certain ways, they're less healthy. But that's like a mix of, as you go to India, you realize why. But like what they know is like this uh, lacto-veg, at least they're able to reproduce in uh, multiple, multiple generations. So we know that like that butter piece or that ghee piece might actually be pretty huge and getting those good fats in. And same with eggs. So uh, getting those good fats from eggs. Yeah, because we really don't have any culture in history, and this isn't like an anti-vegan thing. I don't give a shit what people eat. Eat rocks. I really don't care. But just as an interesting observation, just historically, there actually hasn't been a generational culture of vegans, right? Like, yeah. There hasn't. Oh, multiple generations. It hasn't proven itself as like a viable or safe lifestyle because there hasn't been a yeah. vegan that's had a kid with Correct. a vegan had kids with a vegan who was a or vegan healthy. Who was vegan. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So we don't we don't really know. It's kind of an experiment and it at could this be, point. It could turn out to be the best diet ever, but we don't know yet. So it might work. Yeah, yeah we don't know. We need a, a, we need like three more generations essentially. But what we do know is that the lactovege has worked yeah. in a remarkable time period. Yeah. And, and meaning someone I'm, like in India, someone that eats ghee and eats eggs. And yeah, and I mean, again, now you go into debate, so it's a big country with like a billion people. And, but when you go there, you also realize that a lot of their life conditions are not great. But I mean, they produced some of the biggest marvels in the world and a lot of smart, amazing people have come out of there eating multiple generations of lactoveg. So that ghee might be that thing that you need versus the animal flesh. And same with once you enter, like eating organs and, and liver and stuff like that. Well, dude, that's the crazy thing with eating animals is if you... And not like I'm an you know an expert on anthropology by any stretch, but I, I do like I poke around a bit in hunter gatherer tribes and habits because I'm interested in what we did before there was Costco, you know, yeah. and before there was the epidemics of degenerative diseases that we have now. Before there was the China study, before there was a paleo vegan debate. What happened, you know, a few thousand years ago, even prior agriculture, right? And what's interesting when you look back is that historically hunter-gatherer people, they gathered, so they ate nuts and seeds and berries and plants, and they ate... And uh, mushrooms. And, and mush, yeah, and that other kingdom of food, right? And they ate animal fish eggs, fish meat, fish organs, and animal... Yeah, and they mostly ate... Like rodents, they ate insects, they ate small animals. Right. It was rare to get big mammals. But here's the thing, when they got a big mammal, is that the organ meats are actually the most prized part sure. of the animal and the muscles are kind of swag. Like if you're desperate, you're going to eat the steak or the flank or whatever, yep. but that's going usually to the dogs. And yep. it's more about eating the heart, eating the brain, eating the kidneys, the spleen, the liver, because that's where the concentrated energy slash nutrition is. Sure. And that, but the, what's funny about that is like our plants that have been bred to be more palatable. So the medicines, such as the bitters in your spinach family, arugula, whatever, radishes, whatever it is, they're now very bland. Well, also, um, like my taste buds aren't accustomed to eating organ meat. So if I eat something like liver or kidney, it's like disgusting to me. But a couple hundred years ago, my ancestors probably would have been very bored eating like a filet mignon and would have found it just totally tasteless and disgusting. They also, you need but to they know, would have loved the organ meat, you yeah, know? Yeah, you need to prep it right, though. So, onions. Oh, just throwing... Just throwing onions it. with liver. <laughs> yeah, onions. That, it's, it's all about the onions. You know how I eat liver, dude? Because it's disgusts me so much. It's, I cut just, it into cubes when it's still raw, like into little bite-sized pieces, and then I freeze it on a cookie sheet, and then I... I, you know, put them all in a bowl and I just pop them like pills because I just, I literally can't stand the taste. My friend Andy Nilo from Alatura, he at one point was making liver smoothies. <laughs> like yeah. just throwing them in like it was some spring water in, the, in a Vitamix and just 
pounding that down. I mean, it's like, it's hard to get organ meats down if your taste buds haven't been accustomed to that. Like, my mom would make me eat liver and onions when I was a kid, and I just, from the time I was very little, I hated it probably because I, I didn't get acclimated to it to where I was used to that strong taste. Just like now, um, I'll make a smoothie and I'll put dandelion greens in there, yep. and people find it disgusting because they're not so they're bitter. not used to eating yeah. bitters like that. But for some reason, the bitters I can handle, but the organ meats are you tough. You know who has probably the best liver I've ever had is, and you can get the recipe online, is Mary Shinoda, is if you, at Paleo Chef, and she has a recipe, banging liver, banging liver. And she uses like, I guess like an Egyptian spice mix or something with the liver. But I tried it some, some time ago and it was like insanely good. It's I've palatable? Never, it's so good. I think I like liver in general, but that's so good. So Banging liver, Mary Shinoda at Paleo Chef. When you're growing up in Finland, were uh, organ meats part of your diet? Like your family diet? Like you're eating some liver one night and some kidney or you're having a cow brain? I mean, is that like... <laughs> Is that part of your culture or pretty much yeah, just... Yeah, the brain, not, not. I think there's even legal things with that. Oh, because in Mexican food, they're yeah. eating brain, they're eating pig's feet, they're eating like all kinds of weird yeah, stuff. Yeah, but liver definitely is, is super traditional for us. And then, you know, like I said, we eat the fish whole and one of the best parts of the fish is the eyes. Um, like the one of the most delicious parts. Excuse me, I, I've set to throw up in my mouth for a second. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> oh, you know you're going to eat them. Like, you know there's they, no way you're com- coming out. You just reminded me of something in Colorado, so which I, I spent a fair amount of time there. I was born there, and uh, although I'm really like a Californian, I, I have lived there, but my dad's been there his whole life, and he was an avid hunter as well as, not a rancher, but he was a rodeo guy, you know, so we were around mm. a lot of cattle, and he raised rodeo cattle, and we're around a lot of ranchers, and something that was very common for those guys to eat was something called Rocky Mountain Oysters. Are you familiar with this? No, I have not heard this. That would be bull balls. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Spanish do that a lot. Oh, they do? Yeah. In Spain? Yeah, I've had had that several times. Yeah, I mean, we would be on a fishing trip, and one of his buddies would open the cooler and be like, here, and it's like literally like a frigging testicle. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Actually, I never tried one, just the idea. Oh, I was just supposed to ask, have you ever actually tried (laughs) it? I'm not a fan of the idea, let's put it that way, yeah. But when we talk about life force... When we right. have, and when you you break your bone, you eat bone broth. When right. you get like issues with the liver, what if you uh, want sexual energy? That we <laughs> talked about. What if you have those? I'm now. I mean, I'm a huge advocate of plant based eating. I think most people would find benefits from that. Just good to have that balance. And I feel like sure. a lot of people who eat meat products, they eat way too much meat, and they oh, then yeah. they don't use the liver and the good parts. They focus on the other parts, and they like I said, it's all females, and it's and even a lot of the pastry stuff. Because I, you know, when you go and see where they actually grow, a lot of them are not that happy, and the just the cow breeds that they use are so. I guess less heirloom. Yeah, <laughs> so. they're they're domesticated. I, I think I learned that from Daniel Vitalis. The you know the cows that we have are the Jersey, the Angus, yeah. whatever type of cows. That's not even a real animal that God or or nature no. created. It's a hybrid animal, a der- derivative of and an animal called an orac. Yeah, you know. So if you want to eat like a real animal, that would be a bison. Yeah, like that is an unadult. Even though they're they've been domesticated in the sense that you can put them in a pen. But but what I, what is? But they're the original animal. What's interesting about them and, for example, horses? Like I have, I grew up like with ponies and 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 stuff like that. It's a funny story for another time. But it had like fifteen ponies. So what's funny about bisons and and horses or in the um, is that they don't really give birth to their uh, baby in the presence of humans necessarily. So they don't. If you're around. They're just going to hold it in. Wow. 
So kind and of there, like when you have to take a number two on your around a girl on a yeah <laughs> on a date. Yeah, I love that anecdote. Anyway, so like, so if you see bison's, even though they're somewhat chill, you know they're they're still a wild animal at at in certain ways. Like you don't mess around with them, dude. When you see a bison in person, I mean they have this prehistoric. You can picture them like running around evading being captured you know, by dinosaurs. I mean, yeah. they have this primordial The other energy. one I uh, has They're that same beast. vibe is a moose. When you see a moose I've never seen a moose alive, in real life. It is to me that is the king of the forest. They'll the, fuck you up, right? A the, moose will yeah, like Yeah, and they will like, run you down. Even more than a bison. With bison is like a super masculine animal and it's like a beast, but like the moose, because it's so tall, it's insanely tall. And with the antlers, it's like such a king of the forest. Like, I, it's the most insane thing. And you guys have moose in Finland, right? A lot, yeah. yeah. But it's uh, compared to like a deer or something like that. It's just such an another level. They're like do twice the hunt, size. Do people hunt and eat moose there? In yeah, Finland? yeah, yeah, like in Lapland in our forest, like yeah, we, in our forest was. It? Have you ever had the meat? Yeah, this is like literally. Yeah, we were like product. We went moose hunting, so it's yeah. like as a kid, we're not allowed to shoot the gun. So you would just like drive the moose to a certain direction. You get permits because they cause a little bit of a ruckus to us humans, and us humans are of course number one priority, right? So yeah. <laughs> anyway, so you get permits, so you can you can kill X mount. You can never kill the female when it's with the. I don't even know how to say that in English. Offspring? Offspring, yeah. And then, so there's rules. Calves, maybe calves. calves. Maybe with moose, yeah, I guess. Because it's a bull moose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it must be a calf, calf yeah. yeah. So anyway, so you get certain permits. So you can, like, in our land, we're allowed to, like, shoot, like, two or three or whatever. And then, yeah, we get moose meat. And it would be the meat. If I, if I go to Finland and eat meat, it's probably going to be moose or reindeer. Oh, cool. Or a fish that we got from right. the lake. Right, so. yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I think you're right in finding the balance that's right for you and your body. You know, mm -hmm. we all, I think, myself included, have to get away from a, a dogmatic approach to eating a certain way. I mean, for me, it's seasonal. Lately, I've been eating tons of blueberries. Like every night, I eat like an entire bag of wild Maine blueberries, and yeah. my body's just going blueberries, blueberries every day. Yeah. And I'm not eating a lot of meat right now. I'm just like, eh. Yeah, that's that's. I'm making you're so a lot right. of green smoothies, and then there'll be a time where like I'm my body's going, okay, we need red meat or we need oysters or we're gonna try some liver or whatever it is, and I kind of just listen to my body. Whereas when I was a vegetarian, I was more acting out of fear and I was very concerned about factory farming and just there wasn't really the availability of true pastured animals at that time or it wasn't as widely known where you could go to a farmer's market meet the farmer look them in the eye say how do you execute the animal what are they eating what are they drinking like you couldn't really have that close of a connection if you lived in a city so I just said all right I'm not eating meat and there's a lot of reasons why but I was so um, unhealthy because I was so deficient and it sort of forced me to eat an unbalanced diet because then I was eating so many inflammatory foods like grains and all this gluten and all kinds of stuff. So I was really doing an unhealthy kind of version, even though it was very organic, it was still imbalanced, you know? So when I think about like the concept of a, like a plant-based um, diet, I think, oh, that must mean vegan. But then when I look at my own diet, I eat a plant-based diet mm. and I also eat some meat. Yeah, when it's when my body goes, I want that. Yeah, know? so I think seasonality is huge. I think you should detox. It doesn't mean you're always on a juice detox, but there's a season of detox. There's a season of a lot more fats and heavier meals, you know. And so I definitely believe in that. Hey, yeah. speaking of detox, what are some good herbs 
and things like that that you can use to detox. So this is an, and a lot of people ask this because like liver is somewhat of a mirror to our skin health as well. And, and like, uh, I feel like a lot of people care about the skin health. They don't care about the immune system or gut health, but they do care about the skin. And so uh, detoxing is pretty important for that. So I would say that the, there are things that you can take year-round that are good for liver, um, which I first recommend. Those are shisandra berries, good for phase one, two, liver detox. And then reishi mushroom is good for that. And then there's things that you could take, and chlorella is also good year-round. Um, so I, I like those. And then there's se- things that I would take seasonally. Uh, charcoal is, is a good, like a little bit rot- rotated, depend, usually when I travel or when I feel off. And uh, milk thistle is probably one of the most famous ones. And then dandelion that we mentioned. But you shouldn't eat dandelion year-round. It's like it pops up in a certain time of the year for a reason. You know, after a heavy winter of eating and whatnot, you cleanse in the spring and it's, that's the... Right, that makes sense. You kind of have to think about it like as if you were living in nature and you're a caveman. But that's, <laughs> it's, you know, ca- you know, you know what I mean, like a hunter-gatherer. But it's... Uh, Difficult to do that because everything's shipped around the world. So I know I can get dandelion greens all around every season. So I make those in my smoothie all the time. I never thought of like, oh, yeah, if you were in nature and living off the land, you'd be eating a lot of meat and a lot of fat in the winter. And then in the spring, as the the snow starts to melt, you're going to be detoxing using these bitter greens that grow on the land as your gatherer phase comes in. And you're going to be detoxing from all the animal food that you ate during the winter. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think honesty is like the key thing is like when we talked about being plant-based as well, I think people should visit farms where there's monocrops and see how monocrops are grown and what's the ethical and how kind we are to our topsoil with with that, but also, if, <laughs> yeah. if you can't kill, I, I'm kind of challenging on you because I know you, you, you might not feel fully comfortable always, but like, I feel like it's kind of, kind of twisted if you eat meat, but you can't kill it. It's very twisted. This like, is how th- disconnected we are, yeah, dude. I, I'm always talking about this. Like, I have no problem eating a steak, but walk me out into a field right now with one of those, um, you know, no country for old men guns, you know, those like, yeah. those things that you use to knock the cow out yeah. and kill it. Like, Put me in front of the cow and above him. Because I, I interviewed a guy the other day that's a, a very conscious rancher with Arizona grass-raised beef. And he explained exactly how they kill their animals. And they do it in the most possible humane way that you could ever imagine. The animal doesn't... Yeah, the bolt gun is not... They, not. <laughs> they, don't, they don't know it's coming. Like, they don't... None of the other cows see the other cows dying. I mean, I don't, they're like American Indian level, like, yeah. conscious about it. And I'm picturing myself as I'm interviewing him. I'm like, Luke, could you do that? Would you, like, have the nuts to do that? Could you stomach that? And, you know, I have to be honest. It, it would be a stretch. And here's why. Not because, at least for me, that I feel that it's morally wrong to take the life of something so that I can live, because I don't have a problem with that on a spiritual level for many reasons, which we don't have time to discuss. But I really think it's because I didn't grow up like living on a farm in Argentina where grandma's beheading chickens and cutting them open in front of me when I'm an infant. Like Because of the, the, the slaughterhouses and the farms being so far removed from suburban culture that I grew up in, or even sub-suburban, that it's like the connection with the passing of the animal's life or taking the animal's life to then make my life possible. I, feel, I, feel, I mean, you're... I'm so you, disconnected to. You're like, like a lot of people are in the same position. So it's yeah. great that you share and, you know, talk about that honestly. Like for me, it was so different. So I can't like fully understand. Like, so we would grow 
um, like these heirloom breeds of like cows. And our dad would give, sign me and my brother each one, like a couple cows. And we would name them, give them name every morning at like, 5.36 a.m. would feed them. Like some Finnish name, like Herkule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bilvi, which, <laughs> means, which means the cloud. Yeah, okay. So my cow, the cloud, I'm feeding it at 5.36 a.m. in the morning before school and then after school about 4 or 5 p.m. or whatever. And I see grow and then, you know, and uh, depending on the cow breed, you know, they grow a little slower, the more ancient breeds sometimes. So like, whatever, two, two years later, the slaughter truck comes because you're not allowed to slaughter at home because of like food safety stuff. So then we take it to a slaughterhouse and I'm like, I don't know how young I was, like five, six. And I watch like the cow get zapped and killed. And my dad thinks that's like the best way to grow, you know, grow a child is like full on transparency. This is where your meat comes from. And then we take the meat and we eat it for the next, you know, uh, yeah. for five so how, months so how about this so so you're <laughs> you're witnessing the cycle of life and I, I don't know why I always picture like Native Americans I guess because that's the soil that we're on those are the people that seem to have originally been here right and I always picture the way that they really revered an animal so if they slaughter a bison they're using every single part of that for some utilitarian mm-hmm. or food purpose and there's a real spiritual connection to the fact that that animal is sacrificing their life for them and it's just not like, oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to kill that thing like some oaf that's unthinking and unfeeling. But there's, there's a real um, presence and a gratitude for that animal. <laughs> but it's like, if, you're not, if you don't grow up doing that, you're not used to that. And so it seems like really an evil act. And I think a lot of people view it that way. And, and maybe it is. I don't know. But to me, like you mentioned the soil taking 10 acres of land and killing all of those trees and all of those gophers and all of those snakes yeah, rodents, and all that bacteria yeah. and all that fungi and billions of living things to throw up 10 acres of kale. It's like, I don't know, everything is eventually dying anyway. And when my physical body dies, I'm going to be eaten also. I'm going to be eaten unless I'm cremated. Actually, I'm going to be eaten by you? bacteria, by fungi. I'm going to be swallowed up by the earth and I'm going to become soil. And those soil is going to become some plants and then some cows are going to eat those plants and then some people are going to eat those cows and then they're going to die and they're going to go back in the earth. And it's sort of a cycle that these living bodies seem to pass through in our evolution. Yeah, the funny part is now... Or am I just justifying the fact that I want to eat a hamburger? I don't know. I Actually, a lot of people do that. I, they will follow any diet. Is it paleo Aikens as long as it allows you to eat bacon? Like whatever right, somebody right. intellectually justifies it, then yeah, I'm, I'm gay. You know, for me, I think I'm just... I really I really want to understand life. I have it. That's why I love talking to people like you. And, and, yeah. other, and I've, you know, I talk to vegans and I talk to meat eaters and hunters and all sorts of people. It's like... How, I'm did, really how in- did we get from sex herbs to this though? Like, Well, because when you're sexually... <laughs> virile you yeah. know as a man you have so much testosterone it makes you want to go out and Hunt. conquer nature yeah, no, I don't I know so. but as a topic to tat I think it's uh, fascinating that we look at certain animals and kingdoms in a better or worse way so like the plants will have less spiritual energy than an animal or something like that so I just think it's funny like how we look at binary ways that there's a speciesism it's like yeah. um, for example when I was a vegetarian because I I don't want to kill a goat. I don't want to kill a pig. I don't want to kill a cow. I, I love animals. They're, they're cute. They're cuddly. They have life. I don't want to look them in the eye and slice their throat and turn them into a meal. But I would do that to a fish because I think fish are dumber. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. why did I value... Yeah. And when I was a vegetarian, I didn't eat fish, but that would have been a good entry point into like, all right, I'm going to start eating animals. 
then like, and why won't we just, why won't we eat a dog? Like, or mm. why won't we eat a cat? It's like the animals that we feel are more human-like, we don't want to eat, but something further removed. Like I could kill a lizard and eat that if I cared to, because I don't care about the lizard's life, but why is the lizard's life less important than a moose's life? Because of their size? Like yeah. why killing a grasshopper and eating a grasshopper if I'm stuck in the woods somewhere in the tundra, you know, starving, I'll kill a grasshopper and not feel bad about it because that little grasshopper's life is worth less than a lobster or something, right? It's like yeah. there's this weird hierarchy that humans kind of attach to sure. animals based on their intelligence and their mental capacity as if their mental capacity is related to their soul's inherent value. Yeah, but coming what, to the point is like... What the fuck like, is up with that? Isn't that, to, isn't that weird? To the circle of life, it's yeah. funny, I saw... Oh, through a friend he sent me some stuff it's like people are not when they die and they're put in a in a coffin they don't decompose anymore that well like it takes longer times because they have all this toxic stuff and they have like fake boobs and whatnot like we're not turning into soil that easy anymore because oh, of our, right. our modern lifestyle so that's just like a that's funny, funny trip yeah. as well is that like we're not composting anymore dude there was a yeah there was a yeah and all the formal i know there's a vitalis did a show on uh green death yeah on gr or green burials it was very yeah. fascinating and they talk yeah, the about mushroom burial suits yeah and, and how it's so toxic to the environment to be dumping all these human bodies full of formaldehyde right yeah. and all these preservatives and that's going back into the ecosystem for sure so if you really care about the planet and even cremating creates like smog i guess you know <laughs> your human meat smoke and bone smoke goes up into the environment so really the mushroom suit i think the woman did a ted talk yeah. on that right yeah where you have this you know uh, mycelian because the fungi like to eat, you. yeah, fungi like to eat and decompose like living matter or dying matter, and also like to break down inorganic matter that doesn't belong, like toxins from the forest or like so, diesel and other things. But that's how so most of the medicinal mushrooms that, for example, we work with, they're able to deliver the medicine or the healing properties because they decompose dying wood. And sometimes I joke which is not fully true, but it's a funny mind thought is like, we should eat dirt and trees, but we can't eat them. So we think eat things that are growing from the soil that get the minerals like plants or animals who eat in things from the soil and get the minerals into their liver or somewhere like yeah. that. Or, but we can't eat trees. So we try to get the pine pollen or we try to like eat the mushrooms that grow on those trees or dying That's trees. That's so funny. I think about the same way because really what we're going for for many food, whether that be a vegan plant food or it's a, you know, the most wretched animal food you could eat, really what we're trying to get to me is the energy of the sun and rocks, essentially, like the dirt and the sun, right? So you can't eat the sun's energy unless you're a really proficient sun gazer. So the sun comes down, puts its energy into grass, but we can't necessarily eat grass. So we need the cow to concentrate the sun energy in the grass. Then we eat parts of the cow and we are essentially getting that sun energy. Or like you said, you have like rocks and soil and dirt in the ground. We can't get the minerals out of that because we can't assimilate it. So we need a plant to do that for us. Then we either eat the plant or we let an animal eat the plant. Then we eat the animal that ate the plant. And then we make plastic. And that's why God created humans. Yeah, for plastic. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a George Carlin joke. So maybe Tati can add the link of like... Oh, really? Oh, yeah, saving the planet, George Carlin, is one of the funniest things ever. Oh, dude, I love that, where he's like, oh, God needs your help to save the planet, right? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. but it goes on that the actual reason why humans exist, the meaning of life is plastic. The planet Buddha's here just because he couldn't make plastic. He wanted plastic, 
we couldn't make it, so made humans just to make plastic. It seems that way, actually, <laughs> because that's basically what the There's whole... There's a mushroom, by the way, that can eat plastic. So for, we thought that for whatever, I, I don't have the facts right in front of me, but I think plastic assisted like 120 years or something like that, and so far hasn't decomposed it really, apparently. I'm not an expert in this, uh, but apparently has not been decomposed. People say it will never decompose. But now they found a couple of years ago a mushroom that likes to eat plastic. Because like I said, it likes things that are not naturally in nature to break them out and break them into pieces that are natural in, in nature. God, mushrooms are so cool. They're medicine. They can get you high as shit and they can clean up the environment. Yeah, they can also kill you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it's like any kingdom. Look, it's like, yeah. it's, it's no better than plants or animals, or bacteria. But it's no, not worse either. So it's not like the biological racism of, of bacteria and fungi, of like always washing hands and being scared of molds all the time. Is like, that's also a little bit extreme. Like, are molds bad for you? Yes. Can certain bacteria kill you? Yes. If you mess around with an alligator, it will kill you? Yes. You know, are there plants? Uh, actually, majority of the plants, if you really go out foraging, potentially can hurt you. Uh, but, you know... Um, so it's always the yin and yang, you know? So mushrooms are, do you are the same. think mushrooms are assholes because they eat human flesh? If you just leave a body in the woods to die, are those mushrooms, are they unethical and evil because they eat, they eat, they eat flesh? So the funny trip is I have a friend. <laughs> or are they innocent because they're doing it unknowingly, whereas like if a hunter kills a deer and eats it, he's satanic because he knows he's inflicting harm, where mushrooms are inflicting harm, but they don't know it. It's just what they do. That's a funny thing. So I, a lot of my friends are like generally pretty like conscious and honest. But you, you just interviewed Travis and, and people like artists or the fun guys or health and wellness people. And generally I would say that they like might not have the answers, but they thought about stuff a little bit. But one of my friends works for a tobacco company. And on the surface, he seems like a guy who just doesn't care anything about money. But he's like seriously thinking to the speciesism is that he's actually doing the most ethical job in the world. Because he's, he's killing the worst pest, which is the human. And this pisses off people a lot, obviously, because <laughs> we think that we're better as humans than any other living being. But he thinks we're the worst pest in this planet. So obviously no names at this point or anything like that, but like, you know, tobacco. So, so maybe Monsanto is actually like a philanthropist. <laughs> <laughs> philanthropist That's a judo ethical, move. Yeah, ethical That's a company. Judo They're move. like, okay, who, what's the real enemy of the environment and of the planet? It's actually not the food that's killing humans. It's the humans that are killing each other yeah. and killing the planet. So let's and for the listeners, thin out the herd a little bit. Listen, listeners, I'm not a very serious person, so I joke around a bit. Hence the fungi stuff. But So yeah. like anything I say, like take it with a grain of salt. But it's just a funny trip. This what if all these companies that we call unethical are actually the most ethical companies and it's just the humans that are the problem do you here. hear that thunder yeah i think like god is speaking to us saying <laughs> you guys are crossing the line <laughs> or just the hilton like, i don't know if the listeners are crew. picking up on that yeah I've, i'm recording in a, in a hotel room at the hilton here you guys and there's i picked the one room or the one room selected for me that has like i don't know it's the ice machine or they're they have a tractor up there i don't know what's going on so I'm a real um, stickler for sound, so I'm hoping that my mics aren't picking that up. But if they are, it wasn't my fault. It was the gods of thunder. Yeah. So, Taro, uh, as we come to the end of our 
I don't even call it an interview, but really a fun chat. And I, I wish more of them could be like this, honestly, but it's hard to get people sometimes to break out of the interview mold and just like hang out and have some fun. Yeah, I love how like we're urging like kind of like, what should we talk about? Like, eh, maybe tonic herbs or something like that. And we totally went on a, on, a, on a different tenant, but I had a lot of fun. Me too. Yeah, it was Me cool. Me too. So I asked you this before because you've already been on the show and yeah. I don't remember what your, your three were, but um, what are three teachings or philosophies or books or documentaries or something that turn you on that you might be able to point people toward? Yeah, I'm going to answer different stuff than last time. You can go back to that episode if you want to hear what I answered first time. Uh, at that time, I had not re- read a lot of books. I was just coming back to reading, but uh, I'll give a few different ones. One related to we're now at Longevity Now, and Wim Hof is here, and as a Finnish person who like grew up with saunas and frozen lakes, I think just cold ice is a, is a teacher for sure. Like that's like sleep deprivation, cold hunger. Those are those are my three answers for you. So uh, fasting. Like, honestly, not like an intermittent fasting of 16. I like, go like until you're like multiple hours, if not a day starving. And you like, that's a teacher of, of something. And then um, not sleeping. So, I mean, I'm a huge advocate of sleeping. And I think sleeping is one of the absolute key things. But just being like, honestly, going on a long hike in nature or whatever, and then not sleeping a lot for a few days. Like, it's not going to do harm if it's like a couple nights and then you rest. It's not like a chronic sleep deprivation, but just going out a couple all nighters and like, especially if you're in nature, I think that's a teacher. And then being cold. Awesome. I, th- I think those are good teachers. If I have to squeeze in four is like having to pee as a male and not peeing. Cause I think women <laughs> practice that a lot more than we do. Like guys, when even like we have like a 2% need to go pee, then we go pee. It's like uh and we never like have to go, and then we're such babies with it, Do me that. included. <laughs> and then women hold on for like freaking four or five hours after they had to go, and like, so that's I'll squeeze in. And I fourth. have it on your fourth. That's funny. I think you're like picking up some. Uh, <laughs> your, your intuition's really hot right now because the interview that I did earlier before this with Rafi from Omica, yeah, we did about an hour and eight minutes. You know, because I always monitor the time on my recorder to make sure. Because sometimes you go in the vortex and it's like an hour and a half. I don't know if listeners want to hear that or if the guests can stay that long. Yeah. So we were like about this time, you know, an hour and five minutes, eight minutes or something. And I was like, oh my God, I have to pee. But we were right in the middle of like a, a really deep rabbit hole. And I didn't want to interrupt the flow. And I wanted to get my final question in. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sitting in this chair and I also have my biomat on, which yeah. is like this infrared, crystalline, crazy. Warming up a little pad. bit. <laughs> yeah. And I'm starting to like clench and hold the pee in. And, and we're also filming that one. So so there's a camera right next to my head and I'm starting to sweat and grimace. And I'm like, I don't want to say on the mic, like, yo, I got to pee, stop the recording and then we'll finish the last question. I'm like, just hold it, Luke, hold it. Because I'm on camera, I couldn't, you know, sometimes as a guy, what you do, ladies, I don't know if you're aware of this, but like a little boy, at least I do this, I'll grab my situation and just squeeze with my hand so I don't pee myself. But I'm sitting on the thing, I'm sweating, I don't want to grab myself and freak anyone out or do it on camera. And then finally, at the end of the interview, I'm like, dude, we got to wrap it up, bro. Because <laughs> I'm seriously going to piss my biomat right now. So I am inadvertently practicing the fine art of holding that in. And, um, and actually, I think that helps if you hold the pee in and if you pee, stop. Pee, right, stop. You right. practice also for the orgasm. So maybe that was the closing loop on our conversation. We thought we'll talk about tonic herbs and sex herbs and we come to the pee. Yes. The answer that you've all been looking for but for better sexual health is In the Taoist practice, though, that's what they say. They say to, you know, when you, you let a little of the stream out, then you then cut you it hold off. It. Yeah, yeah. To control so you that. practice that muscle. 
Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, um, so cold fasting, and then sleep deprivation, and and squeezing, and afford this holding pee as a, as for guys only. Girl, women, they're masters at this already. So they. Got I love it. it. I love it. Those are great piece of advice. I think for me, it's always about getting back to nature and being exposed to extreme heat, like an infrared sauna and extreme cold and something like an ice bath. Infrared is not extreme hot though. It's like a different hot. It's like a different... Well, it's different. I know you're a fan. You guys basically invented the sauna. (laughs) I know. Yeah, I know. (laughs) We're doing the whole shebang. Okay, next summer we're doing the whole... Come sit in my sauna, dude. It's it's hot. You'll be sweating balls. But it is a different heat because it's not... It's not atmospheric heat. It's coming from kind of the inside. It's light heat. Oh, by the way, I got EMF-free infrared blanket just from higher dose. So that's pretty rad. I guess a lot of them have had like quite high EMFs. Yeah, yeah. So I just got a new batch. That's awesome. But yeah, Yeah. we'll do the whole song and dance. We'll eat the fish eyes. We'll do the cold lakes. What other weird stuff could we do? I want to do like go to... Cupping has always been a huge thing. Now it's trendy here as well, but we've always done the cupping. Right. We'll do the whole song and dance for you. Awesome. Yeah. And is there like a special kind of branch you can be whipped with in this? Yeah, birch. Yeah, for sure. It's it's actually super important that it's the the birch, the same that the chaga grows in. We'll, We'll... We'll whack the heck out of you. Awesome. All right. So any of my Finnish buddies or, or soon-to-be Finnish buddies listening, hold me to that. Don't let me get away with not getting over there. Summer 2017. I'm going to goddamn Finland. Period. Okay. Thanks for being on the show, Tara. I'll see you soon, my friend. <laughs> Thanks for having me on again. The time has come to bid you adios, amigos and amigas. Don't forget to tune into the show next Tuesday with my guest, Travis Brewer. This dude is a literal human ninja. He was on the show American Ninja Warrior on NBC. If you've seen him on YouTube, seen him on Instagram, this dude is insane. I've never seen a human being move like this guy, and we're going to find out how and why he does it next Tuesday. And if you miss me between now and then, I already told you the two ways you can avoid that pain. Get on my newsletter at lukestory.com or come say hi over at Instagram at Luke Story. Thanks for listening. I'd like to remind you to get your 15% discount hookup over at foursigmatic.com. This is where you're going to find the world's most convenient, potent, and delicious medicinal mushroom and herbal blends. These are great standalone drinks or add-ons that you can put into your coffee. They're really great to drink at night because they don't have caffeine. You can also use them before workouts, in moments of concentration. They're just amazing little packets of magical power. So enjoy that 15% discount by entering the lifestylist at foursigmatic.com. Again, the discount code is the lifestylist at foursigmatic.com. Sigmatic.com.